0: even as we transition into our next series next week, we'll still be hovering around John chapter 15, 16, going back a little bit into 14. So John chapter 14, 15, or 16, if you wanna go there and just read that and stay in that for a minute, we are going to begin to, uh, or continue to just dig out what God uh, is showing us as a church here about increase. And so this series that I'm in, called greater. Um, it's about growth. It's about increasing in areas of our development in Christ. If you're not growing, something's wrong. That's not healthy. That's dysfunctional. Every one of us was created to grow. When you stop growing, you are dying. That's what's happening. When we stop growing, we're dying. And today I want to talk to you about warfare. Uh, like, how? Where does that come from? Well, I I don't know, I didn't make the Bible up. Jesus, he gives it to us in John chapter 15. We'll get there in just a second. But I'm a person that I don't like conflict. There are people that truly love conflict. You ever met those people? It's like, you want to fight about it? You know, I grew up with with a lot of those people in my family. You know, come on, let's go fight about it. Let's fight about it. I'm telling you what, my sister... Uh, I don't know if she's watching today, but my sister, she, uh, man, she was a bulldog when we were growing up. Like, I'm four, am I four or five years older than her, Shay? Five, four, four years older than her? And uh, so growing up, you know, I'm already a teenager and I've I've got my four-year younger sister trying to fight my battles. That's how fierce she was. Like, ain't nobody messing with her. Ain't nobody messing with her brother. She'll mess with me. She bullied me. But, you know, but I hated conflict. I hated it. I've always hated conflict. I'm like, you know, can't we all just get along? I'm that guy. I don't think it should be that way. I don't think that there should be conflict in the church. You know, in in God's idea of the church, there shouldn't be. We should live Psalm 133 as as a church family. But I hate conflict i don 't like it when people are not in unity together i don 't like how when you 're in conflict a lot of the symptoms that go along with that, like cutting words like cutting people down um, i 've been in you know places before where i 've seen people they begin to get into a conflict and they they take it personal and it you know it, before long it goes to this nuclear level where I mean, dude, you said that. You can never take that back. Sticks and stones break your bones. Words can never hurt me. Whoever thought that up was dumb. Like, words can hurt you. You, you can heal from those sticks and stones, but words will stick with you. I can remember some of the most hurtful things that were said to me uh, at ages that I was so young, and those kinds of things uh, developed my identity for a long time until I begin to grow in the Lord and understand that my identity comes from Him. We're going to be learning about that some more in a few weeks. But conflict, all the things that surround it, like uh, the heightened uh, words, the, the volume increasing. Like, um, I, tell, I tell people on my staff, on my team of people, like... Um, we may disagree, uh, we might even argue, but you will, But when I'm arguing with you, we're arguing like this. If I ever get to a place where I'm like elevated to the place where, man, I'm, I'm, I'm red and I'm fixing a scream, like, just go out of the way, just leave me alone, because like, that's a, that, I've been there sometimes in my life, don't get me wrong. But I hate that. I, I hate that version of me. I don't want that. I, I didn't want my kids to grow up seeing that because I grew up seeing that in my family. And it unnerved me as a child. When Shay and I uh, were uh, young in our marriage and we were talking about uh, how we want to raise our kids, I told them, I don't want. That in our house, I don't. When we disagree, I, I don't want. We're we're never going to cut each other down. When we disagree, we aren't going to scream. And I I, I would love to say we were a hundred percent successful. <laughs> we weren't, but for the majority of my life, I, w- of our life together with our kids, we did not manifest that kind of behavior in our house. Whenever we were in conflict with my children, I would sit down. I'm fixing to spank you. So that's coming. (laughs) They know it's coming. But we're going to talk out all of the details first. Because I hate that I'm fixing to do this. It hurts me more than it hurts you. They probably didn't think so, but it did. It made me want to throw up every time that I had to spank my child. I can only remember really spanking them a few times. And it was when they were smaller. You know, just look, tap, 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 or whatever. It was when they were smaller. And I know we live in a world well where that is not the best way, and yada, 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 and you can... Do what do you you do whatever you want to. But the scripture does say if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. And there is some validity in, hey, I'm bigger than you are. You know, and I, I get it. I get all the memes. How can we love with hands that hurt? I get all of that. I get all of that. I get all of that. And it sounds great. But I'm telling you what, like. I disciplined our children in a way that was balanced. I disciplined them for the majority of their life. I don't know. Shea may have whipped them. Did you whip them? Um, but I was the whipper in our house. I was the disciplinarian. I didn't put it off on my wife or anything like that. But what I wanted them to understand is like, this is not the way we talk things through. There's a, there's a better way than that. But there's a, I want you to understand, conflict does not have to be, you know, come on, put them up, put your dukes up, you know. We fixing to go to Duke town, you know, we fixing to, push, push, you know. No, no, it does not have to be that way. I'm talking to you about warfare today, but I'm going to talk to you about warfare probably in a different way than you've heard it before. I want want you to look at this. Spiritual conflict comes with the call to Christ. Like, do you know that when I found out that uh, that, that a life that is submitted to Christ is being called to a life of conflict? Do you know how that makes me feel? A person who doesn't like conflict, that I'm signing up for a life of conflict? I didn't want, I did not want that. And it bothered me for a very long time because I'm like, good Lord, you mean I'm going to be fighting now for the rest of my life? I don't want to be in this battle. I don't want to be in this struggle. But friends, I'm telling you, this is the truth. If we are called to follow Christ, all of us are. Many are called, few are chosen. Many are called, few give the call like, you know, young Joshua was saying, what are you going to choose? When you choose Christ, you choose conflict. Say it with me. Spiritual conflict comes with the call to follow Christ. Let's read in John chapter 15. All right. So John chapter 15, we're going to, we're going to go down to verse 18. Before we jump into verse 18, we've talked over the last several weeks about Him saying, I am the vine, you're the branches. My Father is the one who is the the vineyard caretaker. He's the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. If you'll just stay connected to me, the Logos, if you'll stay connected to my word, the Logos, if you'll stay connected, then you're going to bear much fruit. So he's talking about fruit, bearing fruit, we are his, he's in us, we're in him. And then in verse 18, it's like he does this a lot of times in his teaching. He's like, he's just going to take a 90 degree turn and chase this squirrel. And he all of the sudden begins to talk about the world and its hatred of us. That doesn't seem to fit with the narrative that he's been in. But he says this in verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you're no longer part of that world. Say, I'm no longer a part of that world. world. Like, I'm no longer a part of that world. I can't have one foot in one and one in the other. I'm no longer a part of that world. Many times when we are in our greatest times of conflict, it's because we have feet in both camps. We have to decide, like Joshua said to the Israelites, y'all decide which day, today, which God you're going to serve. The God of Israel who watched over us, who led us out, or the pagan gods of the, of the land that we're inhabiting. But as for me, y'all do what you want to do. But as for me and my house, the house of Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord. And so it says in verse 20, Do you remember what I told you, that a slave is not greater than the master? Since they persecuted me, naturally they're going to persecute you. I want to read it again. He says, Since they persecuted me, naturally they're going to persecute you and me. So in other words, when we're called to Christ... We're called to conflict. We're called to persecution. And I'm just here to tell you, like the persecution that we think we know in the United States, dude, we are a laughing stock of the Middle East. People over there, they're beheaded for their allegiance to Christ. People over there have to hide you and I, could, we, ha- we could open up our phones today and text, you know, on Facebook or, or, or post on Facebook and say, hey, do y'all know any Bible studies for men, women, children, whatever? And I promise you, within just a few minutes, you'll have 20 Bible studies that you have. Over there, people are hiding in their basements because they cannot practice the gospel in public. Persecution, be careful, don't use that word flippantly. When we are persecuted, persecution is, is, is not, you know, uh, that we can't talk about Jesus on our job. That's not persecution. That we can't speak the name of Jesus in the school classroom. I did that my whole high school year. Like, don't tell, you can't, unless you put some duct tape and you bound me, you can't tell me what I can and can't say. You can fire me, I'll just go get another job. You follow me? It's that, that kind of stuff is not persecution. So he says, but if they persecuted you, they will persecute me. And he says, and if they li- had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do this all to you because of me. They will do all of this to you because, basically, our allegiance to him. For they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Man, I'm telling you, that's a powerful verse in and of itself. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Listen to me, church. Everybody should be listening to me right now. Do you understand that you have been ruined? You can no longer ever say to the Lord, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Because you know. You know from me. You know from others. You know from songs. You know from people that you've heard preach different things and taught different things. You know. We are accountable now for what we know. And he says... um. Verse 23, anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them then no one, that no one else would do, then they would not be guilty. But as it is, as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet still they hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. Verse 26, he seems to take another 90-degree turn. And he says, but anyway, (laughs) I love how Jesus does this. So he's talking about, man, you're going to be bearing fruit. You know, you abide in me, I abide in you. Hey, the world hates you. They hate me, they hate you. You know, you have no excuse. You have no excuse. But anyway, I'm going to send a comforter. This is where he goes. He's like, but anyway... Verse 26, I'll send you the advocate. That word in Greek is paraclete. It means helper, counselor. The spirit of truth, he's talking about Holy Spirit. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must testify all about me because you have been with me. From the beginning of my ministry. There are a lot of people. Uh, that we call cessationists. They are like yeah. There are certain things that only were for certain people. At certain times. He's talking in this. He, people will say yeah yeah yeah. Pastor Rick, none of this applies to us. None of this applies to us. We. These, he's talking to the first disciples. He's talking to the first apostles. The foundational apostles. But people who say that. Are ignorant of what true discipleship is. When you look, when you look in this, Jesus says, I have taught you everything the Father has taught me. I have given you everything the Father has given me. That's what the mark of discipleship is. That the mentor, the rabbi, the master teaches his followers everything. He doesn't go, Now, I'm going to teach them these few things, but I'm not going to teach them this because that can only be one of me. I've had mentors like that, that they would only teach you certain things, but they wouldn't teach you certain things because there was this threat. Look, in true discipleship, there is no threat. Like we're all part of the kingdom. We're all solid in our identity. So everything I know, I need to teach you because I'm going to die and I don't need that to die with me. Are you following me? I need somebody to know what's up in this, you know, cranium here. And you go and you reproduce it. Jesus did it that way. And so as he created disciples, he created disciples to go and do the same things. So everything he's saying here, yes, you are absolutely right. He is talking to the foundational apostles and the first disciples. But he's not only talking to them. He's talking to them. And by logical deduction of what? discipleship is, he intends for them to take everything that I've told you and roll it into your next disciples. Roll them into the, uh, you know, the, the, the 12 and the 72 and then the 144. Just roll it in until this very day we're sitting here in Destiny Church in Daphne, Alabama, and we are partakers of this, of this word. So I want you to look at this. The further we are from Jesus, the more furious the fight will be. Now, we're talking about abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ. When The further you get from Jesus, the more furious your fight is going to be. I'm hoping this is changing somebody's mentality today. It's going to stretch some of your theology. It's going to stretch some of your theology about deliverance. It's going to stretch some of your theology about healing and different things. But the further we are from Jesus, the more furious the fight will be. You think about this. When, when uh, uh, a buffalo, uh, you know, whatever kind of animal that is in herds, if you've ever seen how they operate, man, if that buffalo ever gets separated from the herd, the, f- the fight is more furious. It's more fierce than when they stay together. There's safety in numbers. There is, that's so true. But the closer you and I stay, that's why he said to us in John chapter 15, Jay, abide in me. Do not get away from the vine. Don't separate yourself from the vine. When you begin to separate yourself from me, when you begin to, to uh, isolate your, yourself from me, you are, are setting yourself up for a furious battle. Oh, Pastor Rife, you don't know the hell I've been through. You don't know what I've been through, Pastor Rife. I've been through it. Listen, I'm telling you flat out, I do know what you've been through. Maybe not specifically, but I know the type. And listen, I think many times, not, not, not only do, I don't, I don't necessarily think, but many times our fight is furious because we just don't know. And you don't know what you don't know until you know. And today I hope you know it and it changes the way you fight the enemy. The further you are from Jesus, the more furious the fight will be. But the closer you are to Jesus, the calmer the spiritual conflict will be. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have spiritual warfare. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have conflict because we already know. He said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. We already know conflict is a part of our identity in Christ. Not because he gives it to us because the world hates us. But the further you are from him, the more isolated you are from him, Man, come on, sometimes I feel like I'm, I, I'm, I'm beating a, 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 you know, the drum over and over and over. But isolation from your community... That's detrimental to your spiritual identity. It's detrimental to your walk. It's detrimental to the times when you're in spiritual conflict. I'm telling you what, when you are in places where you need a, 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 a recalibration of who you are because sometimes the enemy screams so loud you begin to believe him. Sometimes he sucker punches you and you are so knocked off guard that you, you can't think straight. There have been, Come on, come on, come on. I'm talking to people in this room. That I know you've been it for me and I've been it for you. Can I hear somebody say amen? Amen. You've called me when you could not see straight. You've called others in this church when you didn't know which way was up. But you were anchored in community. And that's why you were able to reach out to somebody and somebody was able to look at you and say, Look, I'm telling you what. You're looking at this all wrong. You're looking at this wrong. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to give up. You're ready to believe that lie. You're ready to believe that report. But that's whose report shall we believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord is what the scripture says. Like you need somebody to speak that into you. When it's so big and weighty that it disorients us. Oh, I've been disoriented. I've been disoriented. And it, man, y'all heard it. When it rains, it pours. Y'all have heard that? I'm telling you what when there are times where i have been in my life and and i'm like you know the this is me and this is the enemy he's like pum, 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 pum. and i'm like for the love of god can i get a break can i just get a break i've i've, I've even called out to god and i'm like god come on yeah. like i'm I, I need i need i'm on the floor i need to be able just to get up for a second ring the bell for god's sake Let me crawl back to my corner and get back up. When the enemy comes in like that, we have to know who we are. We have to have people around us to remind us who we are. Look at these four things. There's four things I feel like we can learn from conflict. Number one, we don't belong to the world, we do not belong to this world. There's too, oh, this is soapbox material right here. There's too many Christians that you belong to two clubs. You belong to the world. Mm, 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 mm. You know, you you belong to the world and you belong at the church. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. I know he was talking about money. The principle applies. The spiritual principle applies you cannot love two worlds at the same time. He says, you are not of this world. This is what the apostle Paul said. Well, uh, uh, sorry, uh, John said. Jesus said it, but John is recording it later. I think it's in uh, John chapter 17. Jesus says, they, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Listen, you and I are not of that world out there, but we belong in it. You know why we belong? Because we are reflections of Jesus Christ to that world. We are reflections of light to that world. We're not supposed to blend in with them. We're not supposed to become critical with them. We're not supposed to join the political wagon with them. We're not supposed to do all these kind of things that, you know, look like all of that mess that's out there when the church is divided. I'm telling you what church, you can believe it or not. You can get mad or you can go home if you want to but we missed it this last cycle we better not miss it this next cycle we missed it in that last presidential election cycle we became part of the world and we became part of the problem and in the middle of that chaos the enemy divided the church this next time this next time oh it's going to be fierce all hell is going to break loose just like before but we better learn lessons from that last time and we better learn to abide in the vine. If we don't, I'm, oh, see, church, see, you don't look at this, I don't think, like I do. I look at statistics of the church world. I look at, we are in one of the greatest fallings away. That doesn't scare me. It bothers me, but it doesn't scare me. Because in the last days, the scripture says, there will become a great falling away. Men will become lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God. They will will turn away from natural affections. My God, does any of this make sense in our world? today but here's what what keeps me going in the last days the prophet joel says i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh And your sons, Joshua's, and your daughters, they will prophesy and they will have dreams and visions. I'll pour my spirit out and I won't care what age they are, what color they are, what political party they are. I'm going to pour my spirit out. So while there is a great falling away, there is also a great rising up. And I'm going to be a part of the great arising. Amen. We don't belong to that world. That's what he's telling us right here. The second thing is the world hates us. The world hates us. Listen, my wife is a public school teacher. I've worked in the public school classroom myself. But my friend, if you think the public school system is here to to functionally develop your children, you have another thing coming. Well, bless God, preacher. Praise God, we live in the South, and we're exempt from that. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, I can take you right over there to the school that's right next door to us, who's our neighbor, who we try to be a witness to, and we have them in this church, and we honor them. I can take you to some of those over there that they are as unnatural in their desires as the world, and they're there, they're there. You know who's got to watch over your kids? You do. Grandma does. You do. Our children's church leaders, our pastors, we are the ones watching over them praying because greater is he than is in us than who's in Daphne High School or Daphne Elementary or Somerdale Middle School or whatever other school. And you can't just teach uh, send them to a private school. You can't just send them. Well, I'm just taking them out of a of, of, of public school because, you know, we're just going to put them. Listen, I can tell you what. Some of the biggest devils I know, some of them was in my family, went to the Christian private school because they got kicked out of the public school. The, some of the biggest hellions you know are in the Christian school, you better watch over your kids. Don't you turn that over to any church. Don't turn it over to our church. We have them a few hours a week. You've got them all that time. The school has them all that time. You better be watching over. I'm telling you from real life experience, you better watch over your children, speak life over them. The world hates us. The world hates our children. Man, I'm going to tell you what. Don't you for a minute tell me that you love the little children of the world. When our nation, the United States of America, is one of the biggest espousers. I don't know if that's a word. But we are, we are one of the biggest we espouse to freedom. Your body. Your choice. We're, we're just murdering generations. We're just murdering generations by the tens and hundreds of thousands. God help us. The world hates us. The world hates us. They do not want to see the image of God birthed in in your children and in us. They want to see this alternative ways of life and I'm telling you Man, I'll say some things that'll get us mad and people start walking out. But if you'll just go read some of the mess of some of these, you know, groups that are out there. And you start reading. Man, they hate men. They hate men. There is an emasculation of men that is happening. The world hates us. They don't want to see a man in a home. Even though the statistics show that men in homes, men in homes, the children grow up stronger and safer and more holistic and solid mentally health-wise. The world hates us. We are at war. Don't you ever think just because something is okay in your life that you can just settle. The scripture says, Be sober, be vigilant. Don't be ignorant. Hey, it's all calm on the front. Don't be ignorant. Be sober. Be be aware that the enemy is just waiting for the opportune time. Oh man, could I get there? Look at this. Jesus is our persecution pattern. He said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. When was Jesus persecuted outside of the obvious when he hung on the cross and they beat him and tormented him? Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit. uh, Jesus is baptized in water. And immediately after that, I want you to, uh, maybe if you can, Luke chapter 4. Flip over there real quick. Luke chapter 4. Just come play some stop music. Jesus was baptized, and in verse 1, chapter 4, are you there? Then Jesus, what does it say right after that? Full of the Holy Spirit. That's so important. It's important to where we're about to go in our next series. Then Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't going into the wilderness empty. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the River Jordan where he had just been baptized. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at that time and he became very, uh, all that time, and he became very hungry. And I want you to look at this. The enemy comes and he comes to him three separate times. There's so much we can learn from this passage. Then the devil said to him, If you're the son of God, you filthy, stinking, how dare you, the gall. If you're, if, if you're the son of God. You were there when I created you, little boy. You know who I am. Are you following me? If he persecuted Jesus, he will persecute you. So if you're really a Christian, so if you're really that prayer team leader, if you're really supposed to be the leader everybody thinks you are, if you're really supposed to be the woman of faith, he knows you are. Because you've been anchored for this long. He, He knows you are. But the avarice of the enemy to say to his creator if you're really the son of God tell this stone to become a loaf of bread hitting him at the place of his physical weakness because he had been fasting all that time he was hungry more than anything else and look at the next and Jesus told him No, and my translation says, the scriptures say. Mm. No, the scriptures say. No, the scriptures say. And then he goes on and he, he wasn't successful there. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world. One moment of time. I will give you all the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them. How are you going to give me something that's already mine? Y'all, we need to listen to the dumb things Satan says to us. How are you going to give me something that I created? He said, if you'll just... Give, I'll give you authority uh, over all of these if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said he, did, he didn't. get defend. He didn't get his feelings hurt. How you gonna How you gonna tell me what what you gonna give me when it's mine? In the first, he didn't go there. He didn't try to defend his creation. He said, "The scriptures say. The scriptures say. The scriptures say." You must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil couldn't get anywhere with him there. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he goes in to say, just jump on off. You know what the the word says. You've been saying what the word says. I'm going to tell you what the word says because the devil will tell you what the word says. But he tells you with an ulterior motive. He says, you know what the word says. You've been spouting it off to me in this whole scenario. You know the word says that if you... Order your angels that God, he will order them to protect you and you won't even hurt yourself. And Jesus responded, the scriptures say. I just want you to look at this real quick because he's our pattern of persecution. Listen, the devil ain't coming to you like he came to Jesus. I mean, most of the time when we're fighting, listen to me, most of the time when you and I are fighting spiritual battles, we are not fighting Lucifer, the created fallen angel, who is the, basically, for the lack of a better word, he's the archangel, uh, you know, the anti-archangel. Most of the time when you and I are fighting spiritual warfare, we are not fighting him. We're fighting some little old demons down here somewhere. Because Paul tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but rulers, authorities, and powers in high places. So there's high places and low places. Most of the time when you and I, we're, we're, we're dealing with some lower uh, elevation of, of demonic. Jesus was dealing with Beelzebub face to face. He was dealing with Lucifer face to face. He was, it's right on. But he's our pattern. This is where it's going to mess you up a little bit. Nowhere, nowhere, like very few places you see Jesus beginning to appear to lose his cool. Most of the time when you see that, he's actually directing it at the religious people. I love how he's like, he's like, hey, my God, I'm telling you right now, you got to get your hands off. You know, That's not the pattern you see in Jesus. I told y'all I was going to mess up some of y'all's theology. I'm going to mess up some of y'all's favorite preachers. And Jesus, man, he's just in his confidence. Full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Spirit. He's flowing in every gift. He's flowing in every fruit. Every uh, characteristic of the fruit. And he says, listen. He does does not do it this way, guys. This is where we, if man, man, if we'll come alive, come alive in the name of Jesus. The closer we are to him, the calmer the conflict is. I know people who are far from him. None none come to mind immediately. I've known people who are far from him. I've known when myself has been far from him. That it's like, oh man, I'm frustrated, I'm just irritated, I'm just like, oh, I don't know who I am in Christ, I didn't know at that point, and I'm just trying everything under the sun. What did he use? The word. If my word abides in you and your word abides in me, if the word is there, if the logos is there, all we have to do is speak the word. Hey, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. All feet, hands, everything's on it. You know, a gallon of anointing oil over it. Do I have to scream at the devil? No, I can if I want to. Is there anything wrong with screaming at the devil? No. But I'm telling you what, I can't preach another service because you hear my voice right now. I can't scream too many times. Can I scream at the devil? I can. Do I have to scream at the devil? Mm -mm. No, no, no. He is our pattern for persecution. And can I tell you, when the conflict begins to rise up in your world, rise up with the word and just say, devil, this is what the word says. You got to know the word, man. This is what the Word says. I'm telling you what, there's conflict in my life right now. There's spiritual conflict in my life right now. There are things about my life and my world and my family that I am not happy with. I am not fully at peace with the circumstances, but I am at peace in Christ. Because I know what the Bible says concerning my family. I know what the Bible promises me. I know the declarations. And I will have what is mine. I know it's kind of ironic to say I don't have to scream when I was just screaming but I'm telling you devil you get your hands off of my family my body is healed right now in Jesus name my marriage is healed right now in Jesus name peace come into my house right now in Jesus name can you holler? you can if you want to but you don't have to Jesus, not once in Scripture did I see him scream at the devil. Why? He knows who he is. He knows what power and authority he has. And he just speaks it. There's this, uh, there's this great, uh, I wish I knew it better so I could tell it better. But A.A. Allen, great you know, man of God. A.A. Allen was headed to this uh, tent revival and someone caught him like they always do they love to catch preachers they caught him on his way to the tent and they said you got to come to the truck I've got you know my son he's bound he's oppressed he's you know he's possessed he he's got the devil in him and you know if you could just come and pray over him and man I bet they were thinking man a Allen's fixing to go over there he's fixing to throw down on the devil and so the story goes, A. Allen just goes over, taps on the window, guy rolls it down. He just leans over and he said, devil, it's time for you to go. Just like that, the man was completely delivered. Just like that. But you know what? I don't think that that just came because, look, I got to get this over with. Let's just make this quick. That came because a man named A.A. A. Allen had abided in the word. He had abided in the spirit. He had spent some time with the Lord. He knew who he was. He knew who he, what he had. And he knew what he had to do. And what he had to do, you can, there's, there's many more of you waiting up there. You can't take all the time. It's time for you to go. And he went. And he went. And he went. This is what Jesus says. The disciples tried that, and it didn't work for them. The dis, get at get what I'm saying to you. The disciples tried that, and it did not work for them. And they came back to Jesus, and they said, man, we tried that, and it didn't work. And he says, tell me what you did. Tell me how you did it. And, you know, and he's like, oh, well, y'all came up against one of them tough devils. Like, y'all was not working with one of those low-level ones. That kind comes out through prayer and fasting. You guys have not, have not abided enough. So the devil you coming up against that's going to take more a clo- a closer walk with me. He 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 shows them what to do, shows them how to abide. They go back out and then when they come back they're like, "Man, even the devils bow and to your name. Even the devils submit." Um in that time when he's talking to the disciples telling them, he said, "Listen. He said, don't you understand? Like right now your faith is small. Don't you understand? You can literally say to the mountain, be moved and that mountain will move. You can say to the mountain, be moved. I was sitting. I was standing at my mirror in my bathroom and I was contemplating some things in my world that I'm like, God, all you have to do, I'm talking to God. And I'm saying, God, all you have to do, all you have to do, Jesus, is say the word, and, it, and it'll be gone. He's like, all you have to do is just say the word. That's the kind of power you have. And I promise you, Jesus, he's such a great teacher. And he said, you can too. See, I'm looking for him to do it. And he's like, yeah, you can do that too. And then he, and then he just says, you can speak. To the mountain, and then he says this. He says, "I'm telling you, God has given me a little download for for the, this that I'm sharing with you today, in my bathroom." And he said, "Rife, just speak to it. Hey, come on now, just speak to it. Just speak to it. You ain't got to get all nasty and I, in the name of, he said, just speak to it. Just speak to it." there's as much authority in your whisper as there is in your scream. Follow me? Follow me? There's, a, as, a, there's a, as much anointing in our whisper. I'm telling you what, it'll change the way. Now I'm not going to tell you I ain't ever going to scream again. Because sometimes our emotions get all heightened up and it's like I'm going to kick some devil boating right now, man. But you, you can you scream? You can, but you don't have to. Just speak it Speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. The word works, friends. For every adversary, we have the advocate. It doesn't matter what you come up against. This is where our next series is going into. He says, Hey, the world hates you. The world is going to persecute you. Oh, by the way, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. There's an advocate that's coming your way. He's been with you because Jesus is the first paraclete, He's the first advocate. He said, he's been with you, but he's going to be in you. I've been with you, but he's fixing to be in you. For every adversary you have, you have the advocate. You do not have some watered down version of Jesus. We have the third person of the Godhead living in us if we accept it. I want you to look at this. Say it with me. Spiritual conflict comes with the call to follow Christ. But the closer I am, the calmer the conflict. I'm telling you what, guys. If you will let this sink into your spirit, a whole new mindset of warfare will come over you. And you'll just start speaking to it. In the name of Jesus, I command you to stop. In the name of Jesus, I am healed. In the name of Jesus, you take your hands off of my family. In the name of Jesus. And this is what it says, all right? So how, how do we activate? Here, I think I got three things. One, get into the word regarding your conflict. Get into the word regarding your conflict. What are you going through? What is your family going through? Find some scripture and plaster that stuff everywhere. Memorize it to where you can speak it over your family. The second is speak the word over your conflict. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. We create with our words. Speak Word over your conflict. And then this is the last thing. Just read John chapter 14, 15, and 16 to get a greater understanding of even this next series that we're going on in the Holy Spirit. Can I I challenge you? If you are a part of this house, try your very best to miss as few Sundays as possible. Because this is where our influence, we're fixing to start talking about that. Listen, I get it if you have to work out of town. I get it if you have to take care of your mother-in-law who is, is you know, older and aging. I get it if you have real life things. Get online and, and finish every, every message that we get. If you're not here, get online and get it. But if you can be here, please be here.